E-S-N-Y. Sabo Radio, back again with another Jets edition. And I'm often asked, why Why not just do the Jets <clears throat> full-time? You know, I'm there for every practice, every home game. Why not just do the Jets? I, I can't. For, for any diehard fan of teams within a city, it doesn't even have to be within a city. To, to limit yourself to just one team is such a rough idea. I just couldn't imagine not discussing the Knicks, not discussing the Rangers, not discussing the Yankees. Even though the Yankees have fallen off my diehard radar, I can't explain it. Um, it you know, the Joe Benigno rule. If you're a true fan, you know you can't switch teams. It's in your blood. It's tough to explain to the fair-weathered fan, but that's just the way it is. Born in Garfield, grew up in northeastern PA right over the border. Parents from Jersey City, Passaic from northern Jersey. We were still considered a suburb of the city of New York, so we got MSG. We didn't get Sports Channel. We eventually got SNY and eventually got Yes, but I grew up on those 1990s teams. The Yankees on MSG. Don Mattingly. The frustrating Yankees with everyone hating George Steinbrenner. And the younger fans don't understand the George Steinbrenner angle as I hop off the subject for a little bit. You know, it was his suspension. And Buck Showalter and Gene Michael having been allowed to build the team that really created that dynasty. You know, he's still a great owner for the things that he did and and his willingness to go over the top. But a lot of people don't understand. A lot of casual younger fans don't, don't understand. So it's different now doing what I do. That fandom and objectivity is completely separated and to tell you the truth, you're less, you become less of a fan over time, but you can never switch. It's impossible. All that happens is you go from crazy, irrational, diehard to rational. But I can't do just Jets all the time. It's just impossible. I got to discuss the Knicks for every now and then. I got to get to a Knicks game. I and cover the team. I gotta do that stuff. But today, Jets again. Joe Namath, folks. He was there on Monday. And Joe knows. Joe knows. It's about the offensive line. I saw uh, a guy named Barry Sanders held the minus rushing yards against the Packers one year. That says something about the offensive line, because we know damn well Barry Sanders could run. 
Le'Veon is, can play. We know that. It's going to be up to the offensive line how well they can open some holes and protect him. It's just been going back to that team effort thing, man. You know, the offense, uh, depending on how the defense is playing, you know, you can play close to the vest. You could open up. You do whatever you think you can do best. But uh, it takes the whole shooting match. You know, Le'Veon Bell, there's no doubt he can go. But he needs those guys up front. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you, guys. And dolls. <laughs> <laughs> there he is. Guys and dolls. Classic Namath. He's just trying to get by. That famous shot of him playing pool. Asking why it's so criminal to go out on the town and have fun. Every now and again with the ladies. He's just trying to get by. But he's absolutely right. It, Le'Veon Bell's success, that was the question surrounding Le'Veon. The Jets gave Namath, uh, Jets gave us five minutes with Namath after practice. Le'Veon will go as far as the offensive line will take him. It's a message I've been preaching for the last three years. And now that the regime has changed, it feels like the entire franchise is preaching offensive line after having not mentioned it once during the McCagnan era. But when you think about Joe Namath, this is a man who produced the most shocking and still to this very day, the most important event in NFL history, modern NFL history. And he didn't do it with raw physical abilities. Against the Colts, he did it with his mind. He did it by harnessing his talent. He did it by going to the line of scrimmage and being the Adam Gase of that big game. Being the play caller. He just checked to the weak side, to the strong side, depending how the Colts lined up. And he just ran to the side that had less Colts. You know, Belichick, the the mad scientists, people try, oftentimes, try to make football more complicated than it actually is. It actually comes down to just taking what the defense gives you. That's it. On defense, it comes down to generating pressure with less, fewer players, so everyone behind you increases their productivity. It, sometimes it just comes down to those simple facts. And Namath is correct here. For Le'Veon Bell in 2019, it will come down to that offensive line. Assembly needs to stay healthy. Khalil needs to stay healthy and lead that unit. you got to be looking forward to Khalil getting in the mix. I expect it to happen next week at the start of week three. They're easing him in yet. He has not been a participant in teams at practice yet. And it's probably a good thing because Monday was the most intense physical practice of the entire summer. There were fights. Shepard. And who was the guard? Alex Lewis, the new guy. Alex Lewis and Shepard threw hands. They were swinging at each other. The entire team got together. McClendon, 
Um, there's Le'Veon Bell for those watching on YouTube, not on the podcast. Le'Veon Bell brought his daughter, Melody, to the table. But back to the fight, the intensity was outrageous. Alex Lewis, Shepard throwing hands. Afterwards, McClendon and Osemele met, and there were clear words exchanged. Greg Williams loved it. Anyone who has that old school mindset loved it. Gase, we wondered if he loved it. After practice, he confirmed he did like it. Ratcheting up the intensity without injury is the way you get ready for football. Brandon Copeland popped Le'Veon on one particular play after 12. He popped him high. Le'Veon hit the floor. He offered to pick him up. Le'Veon, I don't know if he didn't see it. It wasn't disrespectful intentionally, but got up on his own instead of taking the help. And Le'Veon, after practice, loved it. Running backs, workhorses, they love getting hit. They Not all the time, but they need to get hit. They need that wake-up call. It's just the way football's played. So, Namath, the intensity on Monday, it's all good stuff. Today's Wednesday, tomorrow, week two. Expect more of the same from week one. Darnold won series, and if it's a great series, he'll be done. If it's a terrible series, maybe maybe Gase will trot him out for a second series. Reporters keep asking Gase about Le'Veon in the preseason. Who the hell cares, folks? He's not going to play. Let's stop asking those questions. It's not important. Will it be ru- will he be rusty a little bit? Yeah, but he's going to be rusty with this offensive line no matter what. Even if he does get a couple series in preseason, that won't solve everything. He's a patient runner. One of the most patient runners in NFL history. He thrives on counters, misdirections, draws. Any play that takes more time than a quick hitter, than an inside zone, than a dive, than a off-tackle, even a stretch. So they're going to need the entire month of September to get on the same page there. A couple of series in preseason won't get it done. Also on the docket, Al Toon. Our own Jeff Magliochetti caught up with Altoon. For the older listeners, I hope we have a lot. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll see the image here. Altoon with that old school New Jersey Meadowlands logo in the middle on the AstroTurf at Giant Stadium. The nostalgia will hit you hard. Back in the day when, yeah, they... Sure changed the end zones to Jets colors and Jets logo. But the wall surrounding the stadium was still blue. The Giants stadium logo was on the outside of the stadium. Completely different feel than it is today. With MetLife Stadium or even the later stages of Giants stadium. When they could alter the colors. But Altoon caught up with uh, Jeff caught up with Altoon. And Altoon basically discussed what he's doing. Uh, His family's into real estate. He's just dominating life right now. And Altoon, such a short career, mirrors Kellen Winslow in a lot of ways. He's not a Hall of Famer. He didn't come up with the stats to be a Hall of Famer. But man, from Wisconsin, 10th overall pick, 
by the Jets, I think in 84, if I'm not mistaken. It was early 80s. But he's still in Madison. And here's Altoon. I've always been a fan of giving back the community. The university has been good to me, he said. Madison, Wisconsin is a great location to raise a family. I met my wife Jane at the university, so that was another connection. I'm a Madison citizen. I've been here longer than I've been anywhere else. It's home. For a lot of Jets fans, they think of Toon's professional career as New Jersey. But this is where Toon is separated from the rest. Quote, Two of my kids are realtors. We like real estate in our family. The most important thing for me is that I have a positive influence on the game, positive influence on personnel, that the fans enjoyed me as a person, not necessarily just because I was a decent athlete. Character to me far exceeds the accolades or the touchdowns. You know, it was a shock when he retired in the early 90s, but he did what was right for him. You know, he and if you remember, this man, at certain points, this man almost had a thousand yards during the strike shortened season. Finished with nine hundred and some. Uh, I think it was eleven or twelve games. This man, at his height, people were comparing him to Jerry Rice. People forget this. Now Jerry Rice had Bill Walsh, the West Coast, Montana. Ken O'Brien was a good quarterback, but. Altoon didn't have that. If Altoon and Jerry Rice swapped, man, would Altoon have put up some stats in San Francisco. Quote, We weren't a dominant winner, but I think we were entertaining. We were in most games and we had the opportunity to win. We were competitive. I think the fans loved that. 88, final game of the season. Giants needed a win. To win the NFC East and get in. Jets down by one or two. Uh, Field goal would have won it. Got a nice kick return from Bobby Humphrey. Sprung it. Sprung the drive. Ken O'Brien. Roger Vick. The running back. That uh, old school Jets fans still curse out to this very day. Couple plays here and there. I think Schuler had a crossing pattern catch. It finished... With about 30-something seconds left on a tune fade. Top right corner of the end zone on your TV screen. Jets win. Break the hearts of the Giants. Toon, Ken O'Brien, they were tremendous. And if they had, speaking of Namath, if they had a better offensive line, they could have done a lot more damage with the defense they had. And Toon and Corbett kind of mirror each other in a lot of ways. Not body type, not athleticism. Toon was by far the superior athlete. But the way each of those two put their body on the line. And the way each of those two exited the game kind of mirror each other. Now, we're heading into week, well, we are in week two. After tomorrow night, we'll be in week three, full dress dress rehearsal. As fans, when you're thinking about the preseason, what to look for, it's it's about jobs. It's about livelihoods. What will a 53-man depth chart look like? That is the question everyone needs to um, think about and kind of formulate. 
at camp, it's tough. <clears throat> because Greg Williams is still rotating a lot of players. A lot of players, a lot of packages. I don't want to get into the, the looks, the personnel. We're not supposed to go there. But let me just tell you this. The 3-4 versus the 4-3 conversation and Gase telling the world in the spring that the Jets would run a 3-4, toss that out the window. That's completely ridiculous. Greg Williams is a 4-3 defensive coordinator. And I'll end it right there. But it's tough. Because of the rotating packages. But when you look at who's going to make the 53-man roster, if you're watching it on video, you see the spreadsheet. If you're on the podcast, we'll explain it. This is what I have so far. Two quarterbacks, Darnold and Simeon. I will be shocked if they keep more than two quarterbacks. There's no need. Falk, maybe he makes the practice squad. I don't know if he's eligible. I still think he is. Davis Webb, I don't think he's eligible. Maybe one of them will get tossed on the practice squad after keeping two. Running back, Bell, Montgomery, Powell, Cannon. It's an unpopular opinion right now. But I think if they keep four instead of five, I think McGuire is the odd man out. I could be completely wrong. It's just my gut feeling. Cannon could do a lot more on special teams. He's shiftier. He's probably better in the receiving game. McGuire had a hell of a week one preseason. But he has weird moments in the passing game. He has weird moments in training camp when he's trying to catch a, a wheel pattern uh, past 15, 20 yards. He's good underneath, but when he goes deep, Cannon, Cannon kind of has him beat. So, uh, unless they shock us all and cut Powell and keep both youngsters. Right now, I have Bell, Montgomery, Powell, Cannon. Wide receiver. I can't see them keeping any less than seven. Any fewer than seven. Anderson, Anunwa, Crowder, Burnett, Bellamy, Dorch, Thompson. Dorch is making this team, folks. He's already being worked in the slot. Um, he's built his way up. And right now, I think he's, he's the first-team punt returner. With Crowder being sprinkled in. Gase loves his offense. He's going to use Crowder a lot. He loves the slot. Why use Crowder on the punt return for every punt? I see Dorch taking that role and Crowder being mixed in. In terms of the kick return, that's where I see Cannon. Save Dorch for the less violent punt return. Put Cannon on kick return. The cuts at receiver are tough. Peak, I think Sharon Peak is done. I think he's gone. Unless he's a Bellamy type for special teams. But why need to, why carry two? Bellamy is already locked in as that special teams guy. Punt gunner. Throw him on the kickoff. I think Peak, McCagnan era guy, done. Deontay Thompson. It, it'll come down to Deontay Thompson or Tim White. Tim White has had an excellent camp. He is working his ass off. And that is going to be the toughest cut of August. If no injuries happen, and it comes down to Thompson or White, I think Gase goes with Thompson because he's familiar with Thompson. 
Had him in Chicago in 2015. But that's a battle. Thompson versus White for that seventh receiver. Tight end. Herndon suspended four games. Griffin is a starting tight end right now. Herndon's still running with the ones. But starting next week, they're going to start to shift that for the dress rehearsal. I shouldn't say that. It's possible they do that. But Griffin, Tomlinson, Wesco, and Daniel Brown. If Herndon was there, Daniel Brown would probably be out. They could keep five tight ends because Gase doesn't carry a fullback. But we'll go with four at the moment. And Griffin is the starter right now. Tomlinson and Griffin are the two. Wesco is not moving the needle. He is not. He hasn't been superb. He hasn't been great in camp. He's dropped some passes. Um, His blocking, I have not been locked in on that. It's tough when they're not live to see. But he'll be carried. But will will he be with the first team? I don't know. Not right now. It's Griffin and Tomlinson. Tackles, Beecham, Shell, Adoga, clear-cut. Cavalli, yeah, I've always had problems. Is it Cavalli? Is it Quali? I don't know. You tell me. But Quali's still injured. They could still carry him um, on the IR if he's eligible when the season starts. But Beecham, Shell, Adoga, that's clear-cut. Guard, Assembly, Winters, Compton, Lewis. Again, pretty clear-cut. Center, Khalil Harrison. Nine offensive linemen. Uh, Some teams do eight. It's possible. But if you go eight, who are you going to cut? Compton, Lewis, or Harrison? Or Adoga. Listen, Adoga's a third-round pick. You can't see them cutting Adoga. So Adoga, Compton, Lewis, Harrison on the second team, not bad. Now Winters is hurt. So keep an eye on that. We'll see how that plays out. Defense. Interior defensive tackle, Leonard. Quinnen, Anderson, McClendon, Foley, Fatukasi, Shepard, and Kofasi. That's seven. Usually, you don't want to go seven. You want to go six. Especially when your personnel is more of a 3-4. Even though they're not really running a 3-4. Shh, don't tell anybody. But why it's going to be seven here is for one major reason. Henry Anderson and Kofasi are playing a lot of edge. So while it's seven, it's really five in reality if Anderson and Kufasi play the edge. Leonard, Quinnen, McClendon, Foley, Fatukasi, and Shepard are the five true inside guys. Anderson, Kufasi could do both, inside, outside. Leonard Williams, who's played the edge under Bowles in the past, forget about it. He's not playing the edges here. Take it home to the bank. It's a brilliant move by Greg Williams. Leave the man on the inside where he's better. Anderson has taken the bullet right now, moving to the edge, where he's not as good as he is on the inside. Not every play, but most packages. Quinnen Williams in camp, still not moving the needle the way the hype train figured he would in August. Should you you be worried about this? Hell no. But he's not moving the needle. 
he is small. He is very small for a nose tackle in the NFL. There is only one Aaron Donald. And you have to be incredibly special, incredibly... Your, your get-off has to be incredible. Your hands have to be incredible to do what Donald does as a nose tackle in this league. Did Donald overhype Quinnen in the draft? We'll see. I was not, I was anti-Quinnen. Not for him personally, he's a great kid. Not for his talents. But I was anti-Quinnen. You can go back and look at my stuff. I was anti-Quinnen because you have, before you start picking best available player, you have to first complete your defense. And this defense, similarly to offense, is incredibly strong up the middle, incredibly weak on the outside. Strong up the middle. Leo, Anderson, McClendon, Mosley, Williamson, Jamal Adams. That's as good as it gets. Incredibly weak on the outside. No edge presence. Jordan Jenkins is an excellent run-defending edge. He's not a good edge pass rusher. Cornerback. Tremaine Johnson. We know the cornerback situation. They're slow. They don't have speed. And that's what the Jets defense needs before they take the next step. They need to complete the unit. They're studly on the inside. They lack the speed and talent on the outside to make it all work. And as of yet, a corner, aside from Brian Poole, Brian Poole in the slot is as good as it gets. Not as good as it gets in the NFL. Top 5, top 10 in the NFL as a slot corner. More of the inside dominance that the Jets present. As of yet, the corners and the edge has not stepped up. You know, the top package has Jordan Jenkins and Henry Anderson on the edge rushing the passer. That is not going to get it done. For your inside guys, you know, we talk about Brady, inside pressure, the top sack leaders from a year ago, all being inside guys. For that to happen, you need speed, you need finesse. You need uh, finesse moves on the edge to make the interior work. The Jets don't have that yet. Jordan Jenkins is a is a bull rusher. Henry Anderson is a bull rusher. They're the same guys on the outside. Slower, more physical. They need a Copeland. They need a Polite. They need a Luvu to step in there. And speaking of Luvu, he's been impressive. I would love to see Luvu get on that first team and see what he could do. They need that for for it to all work. And if you get that from the edge and you, you have a pass rush that is generated from a four-man pass rush, suddenly your corner situation looks a lot better. Safeties really, they take some pressure off the corner, but not nearly as much. It's only a fraction compared to what the pass rush could do for them. But anyway, seven on the interior. Leo, Quinnen, Anderson, McClendon, Fatukasi, Shepard, Kafasi. On the edge, you got Jordan Jenkins, Copeland, Luvu, Basham, and Polite. Speaking of the rookies, Polite, again, not moving the needle. 
not getting reps with the first team. Again, six is usually the interior defensive line. Four is usually carried at the edge. We have seven and five. Why? Because we're only keeping three at inside linebacker. Mosley, Williamson, Cashman. And why can they do that? Because Brandon Copeland, who's listed as an edge, is playing a lot of second-level linebacker. I didn't know he could do that. Greg Williams has found something here. Copeland could do both. He could play the will in the 3-4, where you got Mosley, Williamson, and Copeland, and he's the starter right now. And he could also play the edge. So you got Copeland opposite Jordan Jenkins, shift Henry Anderson to the inside, but that means one of the Williams have to come off the field, or Copeland opposite Henry Anderson. So there's a lot of moving parts within Greg Williams' defense right now. Um, the tough cuts within the front seven will be Burgess and Hewitt. And if you're watching, I actually have Kafasi as a cut. He could be cut. They don't want to cut him, but we'll delete that for now because he made the team. So, corner. Tremaine, Daryl Roberts, Poole, Kyron Brown. Kyron Brown, with Tremaine out, was the first team corner in Mon on Monday's practice. And then Arthur Mallet. Only five corners. Incredibly thin, not deep. This means Perry Nickerson is cut. Nickerson is not having a good camp. Everyone's getting on him for the slant that he gave up a touchdown. Uh, rack, run after catch against the Giants. Listen, this is the NFL. You can't expect every guy to make every play. One-on-one -on -one coverage. Uh, I played defensive back. Maybe I'm too soft on these guys, but one-on-one -on -one coverage is almost impossible. If anything... His sin on that play was uh, was allowing the giant receiver to get inside so freely. I don't know what the call was. I don't know what Greg Williams asked of him. Maybe there was an inside presence to help him. I, we didn't see that. Maybe there was supposed to be, and it didn't happen. So don't automatically blame Nickerson. But in the end, he's not having a good camp. I think, like Sharon Peak, Nickerson is also gone. Five corners, that's an issue. A sixth one really would be nice. But if you carry a sixth one, you'll have to get rid of Kafasi or Basham or Shepard, one of those guys. And that's that's tough. Free safety, Marcus May, Rontez Miles, Middleton. Strong safety, Jamal Adams. With this 53-man unit, there's only nine DBs. That's very thin. It can't stay like that. Bless on Austin, the Rook, will probably start the year on the team, on the reserve, non-53. So they have that him as that 10th guy. Um, went with 9 because the front 7, there's so many moving parts right now and it's still unclear who's the odd man out. And as far as no backup strong safety... Listen, with May out, Miles is the first team free safety, which I'm not in love with. He's more of a strong safety. He's more of a roaming guy near the edge. 
Right now, the backup strong safety is Santos Ramirez, who got beat by Daniel Jones on that touchdown. He'll be a tough cut. He has been the most physical player in training camp. He's popping guys all over the place. But if it's May, Miles Middleton, Miles is essentially the backup strong safety as well. And Middleton, he's no lock to make the team. I am shocked that he's not getting rotated in with May on the first team. Kicker, Bertolet, unless they sign someone, uh, Lachlan Edwards, and Hennessy. That is the 53-man look right now. 26 offensive players, leave it to Gase to carry 26. 24 defensive players, and their three special teamers. Thin at corner, thin at defensive back, which is nine. Uh, deep at safety, I'm sorry, deep at wide receiver with seven. Tight end four, it would be nice to go five, but you have Herndon sitting there, suspended to start the year. Most shocking cut, McGuire, Tim White, if they put him on the practice squad. Many teams might snag him, but they'll have to carry him on the active 53-man roster. Uh, Jamie Burgess is another uh, tough cut on second-level linebacker. He's this, he's really the second-team Mike right now. He's the second-team Mosley. So that, that'll be interesting. And Hewitt is another tough cut. Uh, he could easily make the team, but again, you'd have to get rid of Thompson and carry six receivers or Kufasi, or one of the linemen. So we'll see. It's uh, it's very interesting, very, very interesting, to say the least. Monday, the most physical practice of the year. Gotta love it. Yesterday, they made the coordinators available. It was a short practice in the rain. Today, off day for the media. Tomorrow, week two. See Darnold, see the offense. Uh, we'll do another breakdown of the first-team offense. Maybe the defense this time around, too. But it's it's less exciting for the defense because Greg Williams is not going to do anything exotic. It's more about placement and personnel at this point. And, um, yeah, until then, we'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, right now, think about the 53. Think about the jobs. And look at Khalil getting mixed in to the first team because that's the opportunity for the offense to put it all together. They still need to tackle badly. Listen, you got to love Beecham as a person. He's a great dude. But Beecham needs to be the right tackle or at least the second best tackle on the unit. So we'll see. But Khalil has a chance. Khalil with assembly have a chance to round out that offense. They truly do. The weapons are good enough. People say they lack a top receiver, a number one receiver. Maybe, maybe Robbie Anderson's the real deal. His short to intermediate routes are crisper, better this year. Heinz Ward, I think, is doing wonders for him. That interior of the line, Khalil as the quarterback, could do it. Defensively to round it out, Greg Williams is currently handicapped. There is no speed, I don't want to say no talent, but no speed, less talent than than comparing other depth charts around the league on the outside. Edge, corner, they need that speed to show up. And Greg Williams, 
has Henry Anderson firmly planted as one of the edge rushers, Jordan Jenkins as the other. Copeland, Luvu, Polite. Those are the three. If one of those three, and even though Copeland's playing the will in the 4-3, he's still available to play the edge in the sub package. He's doing both. One of those three have to step up as a speed edge rusher to round out the defense, or to yeah, to round out the defense, and make sure the offensive line can't block against a physical style that's so much easier. If the offensive line, the offense knows there's no speed on the line, and they all bull rush, and it's it's all power and no finesse. Do you understand how much easier it is to block that? Now, when you get a Lawrence Taylor and speed coming at you at one of the edges or both, the speed power combo interior on the edge is so much more difficult to stop so Luvu Copeland Polite that is the X factor for the defense right now and we'll see what happens in week 3 until next time Jets Radio sorry Sabo Radio gotta love all the teams gotta love all the sports like football yeah it's the best the Jets yeah great but you can't limit yourself you can't shut yourself down to just one aspect can you i'm sure you can but that's just not me sabo radio until next time